and welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. If you are listening to this and you're a woman, there is a about 50-50 chance that over the next couple of weeks, you, you might get a text or a phone call from UConn women's basketball asking you yourself to suit up because they are starting to run out of players here. They already had one game canceled due to a lack of players. They are still not anywhere near fully healthy and... It's incredible that you start with 12 players at the beginning of the season and you fall below at least seven could have been even fewer than that. So here we are. Injuries are still a thing. We're still talking about it. And now it's actually affecting whether or not games are being played. Yep. Great start to 2023. More injuries to talk about. How exciting. (laughs) And worse. They, they got worse because now they actually can't play games because of it. So it's been quite a week. We were just recapping before we recorded and we were scrolling through and it was like, oh yeah, we got to hit this thing and this thing. Oh crap. There was this thing that happened. Oh, had we talked about this thing yet? So let's just try and recap it in one big swoop. So first, oh, okay. never mind. Uh, we're not going to get into that first. We put out a uh, request for questions on Twitter, and we just got one live, and we are going to answer this one immediately. <laughs> it is from Sponge Master. It says, your favorite transfer out of UConn has been Sailor P. She's been lighting it up recently for that academic powerhouse, Arkansas. Do you now regret seeing her leave? I am assuming that this is all sarcasm because it all flows that way. I think UConn would be better off not playing any games for the rest of the season than having Sailor Poffenbarger have to suit up for them again. And lighting it up, yeah, sure, she puts up okay numbers. But uh, as we pointed out to the uh, defensive comment from last week, and generally UConn likes to have people that don't torch the locker room or attempt to or have the vibes that may. Do you (laughs) have thoughts on Sailor Poffenbarger transferring? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think UConn misses her because even if she was still on the team and allowed them to play that game, she would not see the floor. So it doesn't really matter. They aren't missing her at all. Yeah, that's the part that made me laugh a little bit about DePaul was, okay, you only had six players. We're more than, I I guess actually that's a little unfair because with CD running the bench, it seems like Enesh and Amari have gotten a few more minutes than Uh, They had been under Gino, so I think everyone probably would have played. But, you know, I know it's a Big East rule. So UConn's... Oh, sorry, we just got a reply that uh, supposedly that person was not being sarcastic. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, my point still stands. Um, But UConn had its game on Sunday against DePaul postponed. It just got announced that it's going to be rescheduled for January 23rd. And as a result, UConn's game at Seton Hall on January 19th has gotten moved up to the 17th to alleviate some scheduling congestion. So they would have only had six players that comes in below a Big East rule that you need seven healthy scholarship players that can be fully available. It sounds like Someone else might have been able to play, but would have been on limited minutes. That's what David Benedict told the Hartford Currents, Dom Amore. Obviously, we don't know. Aliyah Edwards is going to be able to play against St. John's, which gives them the seven. It sounds like AZ Fudd has a pretty good chance to play, I would guess, personally. 
But I feel like it's more you look at the way this team has gone and you are suddenly two injuries away from not being able to field a five person lineup. Do you have any confidence that UConn could actually field or could actually go through an entire game without two people having to leave due to injuries, especially when like they have to tempt fate? Because I don't. Yeah, no. I feel like it would have been a disaster waiting to happen to go out there with six people because you're right, like two people would like break an ankle or something and then there would not be <laughs> enough people on the floor. Yeah, it would be so, so very Yukon for them to have to roll out with four players or something. And like, we're talking about seven not being feasible. Four is even worse. So anyways, yes, that's... Look, the uh, Butler and Xavier games were not particularly interesting last week, so we're just going to keep these. If we get more questions, we're just going to keep them rolling uh, as we go through. But I guess we'll start with the news until we get more questions. Before UConn headed out to their Midwest road trip, we find out that Caroline Ducharme went into concussion protocol after an injury that occurred on Monday, SNY's Maria Marino reported that it was she ran into a screen in practice. She talked about players that just can't catch a break because she's taken shots to the head in like the two previous games, said she was fine. And then apparently the basketball gods were just determined to give her to put her into concussion protocol because she runs into a screen in practice. Come on, that is it's just the next example of, yeah, what can you even really do at this point? Because hurt ankles, concussions, broken bones, you can't do anything to prevent those. And Caroline is was the latest for that to happen to a week ago. Yeah, exactly. Just some like more, I was going to say just some bad luck for this team, but more bad luck because there's been plenty of that going around. And something about Caroline, she just seems particularly prone to getting hit in the head. It happens a lot. And I'm guessing it has to be a, a pretty bad concussion for her to still over a week later now be out with concussion protocol and not traveling with the team either. Yeah, because when Nika went into concussion protocol after the Princeton game, she was down there with them at Maryland, and that was not a subdued environment the way that I can imagine St. John's in an NHL size arena, maybe. That's, yeah, I I really don't feel great about that. She was at the men's game, though, on, what day was that? Saturday, so I don't know, maybe it's just a precautionary thing it's better to let her recover back at home instead of trying to was push through it to game? be at the game was uh, she at the men's game i, I did not so. see her at the men's game but i, I could have missed her but i, I thought did she not had sunglasses see her on oh maybe she did and i just missed her i was gonna say i didn't see her with the rest of the team but i could uh, be wrong well <laughs> now i don't feel so confident in uh in that but either way not great that uh, it's taking this long. They now have another player in concussion protocol with her. So she's got a buddy there. Ayanna Patterson left the Xavier game with uh, the injury. I think I kind of remember when it happened. There was a moment where she hit the floor hard and her glasses came off. And I remember the SNY broadcast saying like, oh, it looks like she broke her glasses and she went to the bench, had them, but then never really came back into the game. So... That is, 
if I'm guessing as to when it happened, that seems like a logical place, but we also have no idea. It's not like CD said anything today. She just said she's in concussion protocol. So either way, just another, <laughs> another stretch on top of also Gino is currently away from the team while trying to focus on getting healthy, get back to full strength after he missed the Butler and Xavier games due to his health. And now I think it's just a matter of trying to get back to that. I don't think there's been any change from when he missed those games before Christmas to now. I haven't seen a change, at least personally in his demeanor. It's been a lot more subdued and he's been a lot, not him, not his usual self, which I don't necessarily expect, but just in a, in an outsider's perspective, I don't sense that anything has been largely different. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's kind of been the same as we've been seeing for a little bit now. All right, we had some questions rolling, so let's get to those. First, this one comes from Jamie Sutcliffe. Do you think Enesh will transfer next year since UConn should have Nika and Paige and KK all at point guard? I don't like talking about if people are going to transfer or not. She seems to be happy at UConn. I think she's turned into a pretty functional player for them considering the circumstances in which she came in so i think she's a player that has the potential to contribute down the road so whether or not the coaching staff feels that way i would guess we'd find out this offseason yeah i don't really have anything else to add there i think that pretty much sums it up obviously she's been able to make a bigger impact this year than she should have had to or we would have expected her to so well i think we'll see what happens when we get to april may whatever yeah i think that would be something that resolves itself pretty quickly after the ncaa tournament but actually i'm now that i'm thinking about it cd mentioned that next year they're going to have 14 players and how she thinks that next year they're going to be completely healthy because (laughs) they have that many and they won't actually need the depth and yes that counts enesh so like with Who's the walk on a couple of years ago? Autumn Chasson. With Autumn Chasson, there was very much like an agreement with her and the coaching staff that we might not have a spot for you next year. And then, yeah, it wasn't her own volition that she transferred to try and find somewhere else. I think if it was her choice, she would have stayed at UConn, but that is not ultimately what happened. I don't know about the other transfers, but I can just speak on Autumn. So I don't know off that one quote and the way that she's played recently, I would be a little surprised if, if she gets pushed out, whether or not she wants to go somewhere where she may have an opportunity to play more, that could be a different story. Yeah, exactly. I think, I mean, especially you're talking about a player that until the start of the semester was going to play Juco. So I'm sure she's probably pretty happy at UConn, um, but she also probably has created an opportunity if she wanted it to try to play division one somewhere else where she might get more playing time. Yeah, I mean, she would get big minutes at like a... Oh, man, Hartford's not even D1 anymore, so I don't know what like my go-to low major school is. Like Fairfield. I think she would mm-hmm. get good minutes at Fairfield or something, but I don't know. That's going to be up to her. Um, we'll see what happens. Next one is from B. Schwartz. At what point should we... Th- at what point should we be thinking about succession plans gino has earned the right to do what he wants but i feel like he has given so much to the states of connecticut and of basketball that he also deserves a chance to focus on health and grandchildren i would say from 
So I, I, I'll start with saying that it's been five straight years that he's missed a game due to health issues, but a lot of those were really minor. Like there was a two game road trip back in, I think 2018, 19 against Wichita and Tulsa. And I think if they weren't all the way out in Tulsa, he very easily could have been back. Or even if it was a home game, I think he very easily could have coached those. Um, if, or if it was like an NCAA tournament game or something, then there was the diverticulitis surgery. I don't know. I think that's just a general old person problem. It's not like he's young. I don't think that's breaking news here on the podcast. Then you have COVID. I think it's hard to blame him for that one too. Then last year, there's that one game at Creighton, but then other than that, he seemed to be pretty all right. And then this year, it's not like this is totally out of the blue. I think it would be fair to say that it probably has a lot to do with him grieving his mother's death. They were obviously very close. I don't have any information as to whether it was sudden or if it was something um, maybe a little more expected, like if it had been an ongoing illness that she'd been battling with. I have no idea. Um, So either way, I very much feel like that has a lot more to do with this one. I don't know. I just said a lot of words. What do you think, Megan? Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. I mean, he's obviously getting older, but I mean, I think it comes down to when Gina wants to hang it up. I think he's earned the right to make that decision on his own. And I don't think we've seen any indication that that's coming anytime soon. I mean, obviously right now, luckily the program has CD and she's very capable of leading this team while he's taking care of himself and uh, getting back to full health. But I don't know. I don't really see any reason for us to be talking about succession plans, especially at this point in season. No, I agree. And I think Gino's been, at least in terms of basketball, when, you know, they aren't being destroyed by injuries, but I think he really likes the group that he has. And I mean, he seemed really excited coming into the season. Then obviously the injury started to pile up, but he talked about at the beginning of the year that when he tells them to do something, they do it. And there's not a whole lot of confusion with that. So he's always said that whenever he feels like he doesn't want to do it anymore and it starts to become a grind, then that's when he's going to hang it up and I don't know, do all these injuries, send him into an early retirement because it added five years of stress in two years. Maybe, but I'd be really surprised if he leaves before definitely Paige and even probably AZ are still here. Maybe when AZ retire or not retires, but uh, graduates, which would be what? 20 math is really hard. When she come in 2021. So 2025 is, I mm-hmm. think when she would be set to graduate, that would be my guess, but I don't know. I, I think he could still very easily be coaching in five years and he hasn't missed a game in those five years. And we're not blinking an eye. Yeah, exactly. I think I think you're probably right, at least until probably AC's gone. I think Paige and AC, unless something were to happen, like are the type of players that you're recruiting, expecting to coach them for four years, I think. So let's let's just play the game though. Let's say Gino gets to the end of the year and he decides he wants to spend time with his grandchildren and his family and it's just taking too much of a toll on him and he's ready to retire. Who is your top candidate? Or and actually, you are David Benedict. You're making the hire. Who are you picking to lead the team? 
I feel like the obvious answer is probably Shay Ralph. I think she's maybe a little less experienced as a coach, and you probably could pull someone more experienced into the job, but someone that's shown that at least in the first couple seasons that she's doing a good job at at Vanderbilt and has history with the program and um, the team, and I think maybe would be a good fit. I think that would probably be my my pick. Yeah, I'm curious about Carla Berube because hearing mm-hmm. her talk when she came up and played UConn this past year, I thought the quote that was really interesting is she still really loves UConn. So as disappointed as she was that she couldn't pull off the win for her team, she was still really happy that UConn managed to win that game because she still she still loves UConn. It's still her school. But she's never coached under Gino. She's never been on the staff. She's been away from the program for, I mean, going on 30 years now and she's done her own thing. And she's had a lot of success at very high prestige academic schools that are very much in similar molds where Tufts, you don't get scholarships because you're D three and Princeton, you don't get scholarships because you're Ivy. So that's obviously very tough to, uh, that's a tough way to recruit, but it it's just the, there's no coaching connection to UConn. And I think that's where, I don't know if she would necessarily want to have that when she seems to like her spot right now. And I don't know how much UConn would be interested. I mean, I, she would certainly be on the list, but would you rather have someone like Shay Ralph, who's less experienced, but is more well-versed in the program or you could make the counter argument that maybe it's better that Carla Berube isn't isn't just an extension of Gino the way that Shay Ralph really is. And Shay Ralph is great. That's not a knock on Shay Ralph. But when Shay Ralph talks, there is so much Gino type personality behind what she says and all of that. So I know I asked the question if I was the one to pick. Uh, who would it be? And I, I most certainly didn't answer that question. So uh, <laughs> before we do that, what are your thoughts on what I just word vomited about Carla Berube? Yeah, I think it's another good pick. Someone still that at least has a connection to the program and obviously has had a lot of success, especially with the Princeton program. Um, and like you said, the thing about the scholarships and stuff like that almost makes her success more, I think, impressive because she hasn't necessarily had the same type of resources and recruiting abilities that, you know, a power five institution would have really most any major program would have. Um, So the ability to take Princeton and turn it into this team that's been very successful is, I think, um, speaks to her success as a coach as well. So I just wanted to uh, look up how... Vanderbilt was doing this year and apparently they had a player dismissed a freshman dismissed from the team and the number nine post player in the class of 2022 which isn't great and they have eight players left for the remainder of the season and have three players out for the season with injuries so apparently the UConn curse doesn't just extend uh, to the current team, it extends to the former coaches and also the former players because Mayor McLean's season is done with a knee injury that was apparently really bad on Sunday, which sucks for her because she was having a breakout year and is a really good kid. So that is really brutal. 
on all accounts for Muir, for Vanderbilt. But they're nine and nine. I actually didn't realize that. I would have guessed that their record was a little worse. They beat Columbia. Columbia is a good mid-major team. It's a good win. They only lost by nine to NC State. I mean, I don't think. Oh my God, they scored thirty-one points against Eastern Tennessee. <laughs> How does that even? Oh man, uh, it's uh, nothing about the season makes sense anywhere. <laughs> no, um, but. I think largely with Shea, it's way too early to be able to determine if she can be successful as a head coach, especially at a school like Vanderbilt, where it's one of those restrictive academic schools. You can only recruit a certain type of player. I don't know. I really like Shea Ralph, but it almost feels like if she was the one that got hired, she would be set up to fail as such a young head coach with so much pressure on her, even though it did seem like she's been the heir apparent. I think if Carla was interested, I would go with Carla because she's got such a proven track record at tough places. So UConn would be tough for different reasons, but it's not like it's any, but it's not like she hasn't been in tough spots either. Yeah, that's very true. All right. Next one is from Allison iron. So she says the coaching staff has spoken on how returning from injuries not only takes a physical toll on the players, but how their mental side can prolong their return. So why do we see players like Dorka criticized on social media when they are out longer dealing with that side of it? Because people on Twitter are insane. Yeah, that was literally what I was going to say. Because people on the internet suck. I, yeah, I don't really think there's any more to it other than, well, one, Twitter has been particularly insane, but two, people just suck. And I just, I'd like... Don't Twitter is not the real world, and I think most people are not criticizing players for needing to take care of their mental health. Also, it's not like Dorka was fully healthy either. I think she got a little left out to dry with some of the comments that got made, but she said <laughs> that like she was planning to come back, and then she hit her thumb in practice, and it swelled up really bad. She couldn't get it in the splint. It was really painful. That doesn't exactly seem like a mental hurdle to get over. That seems like a physical setback. So I thought it was a little unfair to her with the way some of the things got worded, that it was just the mental side she needed to get over when she admitted that there were still physical things going on. Agreed. And honestly, there's still physical things going on. She still has it in the splint. It's still affecting her shot. So she's been back for six games now, and it's still not 100%. All right, this next one, I like it. It is from, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, but Kamara Lewis. Who are your top five favorite players ever to play at UConn? Not necessarily the best, but your favorite. I'm going to throw that one to you first. Oh, God. A lot of pressure. Well, okay. (laughs) My number one favorite is probably... Trying to think back. I I think, like, Maya was my favorite as a kid. Okay. And that one's hard to beat. Yeah. Like, your childhood favorite. Yeah, exactly. So so Maya Moore would be my favorite. My second favorite is Nafisa. Like I've just always been a huge Nafisa fan. I think yep. she is criminally underrated in terms of like what she did for the program. Um God, I had to do five though. This is a lot. All right. Three, gotta be Stewie because they won all four <laughs> while I was in school. So <laughs> and that's obviously the reason why they won all four while I was in school. So that was a lot of fun. Four, I'll go with, 
Probably Diana. I feel like it's hard to just not have her on the list. I know yeah. she's also one of the best, but like just as a personality, as a player, she's one of the best to ever do it. So she's got to be on there as well. And fifth, I'm going to go with Nika. I just love Nika, her game. She's funny, her personality. So I'm going to go with Nika as the last one. Yeah, Nika is my number one choice. That's a really <laughs> easy one for me. She's like, it. it's not easy to forge uh like personal relationships just like uh, to know these players on a personal level might be a better way to put it um sometimes a lot of the american kids are and i'm not saying this is a fault but like a little justifiably guarded against the media because i think we see plenty of examples of uh ways that can go wrong um but nika is always very happy to talk she's funny like you said um she's one of the few players that like if we see her like away like just walking in and out of worth sometimes or just not in like the scrum she'll say hi to us uh so and like obviously the way she plays and just the whole aura of nika and the complaining about fouls and she's never fouled and the way she gives it back to Gino and everything like yeah Nika easy number one <sighs> see I think my answers are gonna be uh, largely colored by the players that I've covered the most which is why I'm gonna put Avina too because Avina was just awesome such a great person so much fun to talk to always um I thought had a really was really good for what she was. She wasn't a superstar, but she played like a reserve almost wing role pretty well for most of her time. Um, and like we'd finish asking her questions and she would just keep standing there and continue talking about random things with us. So uh, Avina's two. I think, I think Dorka's moved into number three for me. Dorka is awesome just the best vibes of any person you have ever met super nice gives great answers super happy to talk all those sorts of things and has just been fantastic this season when she's been healthy so i think that's going to be number three not these last two i want to try and go back a little for these last two how can you not have sue bird i think sue bird's got to be in there for me um i think I, i gotta go sue and diana because they're a little past like i remember when they played but i was so young when it happened not to make anyone on here feel old but like it's not like i remember every game of their careers but obviously they're hilarious when they're together especially they're both really good they both have their funny moments on their own and uh sue bird was there for the most embarrassing moment of my professional career as she was involved in it so uh that's a plus i guess <laughs> uh, supposedly in my mind now um and then diana once gave me like a fist bump on my back after i finished interviewing her so like that puts her on the list too so yeah i'll put those as my five just the, like as uh far ends as i can get two players in a <laughs> four-year stretch and then three players in a three-year stretch or whatever so <laughs> yeah this one comes from stats timmy how does this team fix the turnover issue uh by not turning the ball over as much i think that would really get him there 
Yeah, I also think the big thing and probably what's playing into a lot of this is just like, I mean, with all these injuries, they've played like a million different lineups. There's been no consistency. And I think if they can get back healthy in the next couple weeks, one, getting AZ back out there and having another ball handler on the court is going to be huge for that. But get AZ back out there, hopefully get these concussions under control, really get back to like the full healthy team and be able to get some consistency in who's on the floor together and also who's practicing together. And I think that will help a long way or go a long way in kind of fixing that issue. Yeah. I think that's probably a better answer. (laughs) Next one comes from at Hightower Robert. I'm going to assume his name is Robert Hightower. He has three questions. First, what is the prediction of how far this team can go in March? They can absolutely win a national championship or they can get knocked out in the Sweet 16. It depends how many people do or don't get injured. Yeah, I think if this team is fully healthy, they're definitely going to the Final Four. I'd be not surprised at all to see them win a national championship. Yeah, and if they're fully healthy from like, let's just say February on, where they have time to figure out all the kinks with playing together and everything like that. And everyone kind of slots into their roles by the time you get into those tougher sweet 16, especially the elite eight. But if that's the case, then yeah, we're going to Dallas to cover them in the final four. And then you you get to the final four. And I think what we learned last year and what we've learned ever since Brandon Stewart graduated is you need some luck and you need to play well. And you also might even need the other team to have a bad night. So I don't see any reason why the ceiling on this team shouldn't be national championship though. Yeah, I totally agree. I think if they can get healthy, they definitely have the potential to be the national champion. Question number two is, do you think that AZ Fudd will still have a chance to be national player of the year, despite being out three plus weeks? I do not. I think it's been too yeah. long. I agree. I also think it's been too long. I think even as good as Aaliyah Edwards has been, like the chance that UConn has the national player of the year at this point is basically non-existent. I think they've been a little too balanced. And then I think Fudd is the player that really stuck out, but she's missed too much time to get that award. Who is the front runner right now? Is it still Leah Boston? <sighs> kind of. I would say, I think it's, I don't think it's clear right now. I think Aaliyah Boston is certainly in the conversation. I think um, Angel Reese at LSU is definitely in the conversation. I think she has some to put, prove in SEC play, but if her numbers consider, continue to be as insane as they have been, she definitely has a case. Um, of course, I mean, I don't think she should win it, but of course, Caitlin Clark is in that <laughs> conversation. I want to insert Maddie Seacrest into that conversation because I think she has a really good case for it, but I don't think, unfortunately, that she'll actually get the respect that she deserves in that conversation. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, let's get to the third question, which is what do you guys think is the main issue with the multiple players getting injured for the last two seasons? Uh, witchcraft, probably. Yeah, horrible like, luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... I I, w- I was at least willing to entertain the the argument that it was a training staff issue over the summer when you lose Paige to an ACL and Ice to a dislocated patella. 
that argument just holds less water as it's a two three concussions overall and a sprained ankle and Aaliyah getting elbowed in the face and Enish spraining her ankle and getting hit in the face even though she didn't miss time or neck stiffness for Caroline or Dorky Uhas breaks her thumb and Aaliyah Edwards runs into the chair. Like we all saw how Aaliyah Edwards got hurt. I don't know how anything prevents that. So even if you want to point to what the injuries were last year, I don't know. I think it's still hard. It sounds like the Nika foot issue was from her twisted ankle in the NCAA tournament. And I don't think AZ's was, uh, I, I just think the more we go with more injuries happening that are such freak things, the less I can really buy an argument that it's somehow all the training staff's fault instead of this team is just somehow cursed. And this sometimes happens for some reason. Yeah, exactly. I don't think you can really chalk it up to anything else at this point. They've just been so extremely unlucky and hopefully that will, will stop soon, but I don't think there's anything specific to point to. All right. Those are the ends of our questions right now. So we uh, can get back to, I think we were on the Butler Xavier games and how those were just, they felt like AAC conference games again, because everything that happened was pretty much as you expected it to, aside from, you know, the absences. And is there anything that we even really learned not really, honestly. I feel like we just saw more of what we've been seeing, which I think is good in terms of consistency from the players that have been available, but I don't know that we we learned anything new. Aaliyah's still really good. Darka's still really good. Lou's still really good. I feel like that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> it's almost a good thing. Well, it is a good thing that uh, DePaul got postponed if they didn't have enough players, but it would have been so disappointing to have that DePaul game happened without Aaliyah Edwards when the whole fun of it was going to be Aaliyah Edwards and Dorky Uhas going up to up against Anissa Moro. And that wasn't going to happen. And now in theory, again, in theory, a week from today, it's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then we will get that, that matchup we were looking forward to, which I think is, is exciting. And like we talked about some last week on the podcast, like, we haven't, as good as Lee Edwards and Dorky Yohas have been, we haven't seen them play a team that has like a top big. And we'll get that matchup in the DePaul game. And I think more importantly, too, as you look ahead to they've got South Carolina in about a month, they get to go up against a strong big before you're up against Aaliyah Boston, which I think is important as well. It's like a warm up for that game, too. Aaliyah Boston and everyone else that South Carolina has. Yes. As we saw in the national championship game, Aaliyah Boston did not do much. And UConn still could not get a rebound. Yeah. Yeah. They just have so much size. I think since we last recorded, St. John's uh, turned into a pumpkin, right? Yeah. They lost by 21 points to Seton Hall, just as we all expected. (laughs) Yeah. So... uh... This is, I I think the only intriguing thing about this matchup is going to be the fact that they get to play at the Islanders arena. Yeah, uh, that and the potential that maybe we get to see AZ Fund. I think those are the, the two. 
big things. Yeah. You know, AZ FUD being back for the first time <laughs> since December, that minor thing. No, I agree. <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to go too far into that now, just because this isn't going to go out until Wednesday morning at the earliest. And by the time a bunch of people listen, most people listen to this, I imagine it could be Thursday after the game. So we will have a more thorough breakdown of, I'd imagine AZ is back by the time we record again. If she's not, I would start getting very concerned. So there's St. John's, then there's Georgetown. And then on a week from tomorrow is DePaul. Maybe she's just going to make that DePaul return again. (laughs) I'm really disappointed though. I don't think I'm going to end up going down to St. John's. I would really love to see what that NHL arena looks like. It's only, I think two years old. It's, I don't know if it's going to have a great crowd, but it's probably going to be fun to see. Yeah, it should be a cool environment. And like we talked about last week, glad they're at least putting it in a big arena and creating the potential for a good crowd. Yeah. Give them the option. Even if it's all UConn fans, just like the way that uh, South Florida, half their fan base came from people who would come to watch UConn play there, figured out that they had a pretty good team and then just started coming back for actual south florida games so maybe it's a little tougher with how close uconn is but you know those fans of long island and new york city got a program right there that you can go watch if they uh can figure out how to be a little better yeah definitely also this is super unrelated but thinking ahead to the matchup against Oh, I was thinking DePaul was the 17th. That's the Seton Hall game. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, thinking ahead to the Seton Hall game, uh, Tony Bazella would be my pick for UConn's next coach. I don't know if he could actually do the job, but he's the best. The absolute <laughs> best. And he's he a good great. basketball coach, so it would yeah. be enjoyable. It would. It would. <laughs> Before we wrap... On Saturday, or this is look, this is a hockey week for me. The UConn opens its new hockey rink this weekend, so I'm all in hockey mode. But on Saturday, UConn played at Fenway Park outside, and they wore jerseys honoring UConn baseball with the hook C on it, the UConn baseball logo. And it got me thinking about UConn's old alternate logos. Were you pro? Bass C with the basketball, anti C with the basketball, or just apathetic on it. It's like the one from like DT Sue's time. Yeah. That C with the basketball. I love those ones. I think they're great. So pro C with the basketball. I that logo just doesn't do anything for me. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I I appreciate it. It's very nostalgic, but it's certainly not. I don't know. I don't think it's the best logo UConn's ever done, but it's also not bad. Anyways. I don't know if it's the best they've ever done, but I do enjoy it. Yeah. No, it's a a good little logo. It did its job. And it won a lot of national championships. Yes, it did. (laughs) Well, on that note, that'll do it for this episode of Chasing Perfection. Here's hoping that we have more to talk about next week, like an easy FUD return, the return of uh, more players, ideally and hopefully more good news and maybe even the return of Gino or AMS. So that'll do it from us. Thanks for listening.